0: All right. Well, I think we're finally on live. My apologies for being late. My my internet was uh, down. Had to restart my router and actually get on the phone with my internet service provider and figure out what was going on because for whatever reason, it wasn't working. And so my apologies for being late, folks. Interesting times we live in right now. I'll tell you that much. Today was a very, very interesting day busy with work all day and uh, dealing with Chinese internet works. It's been an interesting day. What I wanted to talk about today though, is a follow on from my discussion on Saturday, where I was talking about the World Economic Forum and their, their conversation around water and their conversations that are emerging around what the next, the next crisis is going to be. They've openly admitted now that the, the climate, lie that they've been trying to preach for the past 15 years people aren't buying into go figure just like they're not buying people aren't buying into the storyline around covid and the lockdowns so they're trying to adjust and move move farther down the kill chain to get rid of people and here's an interesting thing the more that you start talking to people now around not just the climate narrative, but the COVID narrative, as well as the vaccines, you're starting to hear more and more people say that there's something big down the road, something big's coming. And I've had quite a few field grades just in the last couple of weeks reach out to me, asking my opinion on certain things. And one of those conversations that occurred this this last week was with a guy that. Uh, Again, he was in the space business, and he was asking me questions around the information war, et cetera, pretty innocuous conversation. But he made a very interesting comment, and that was, he asked me if I would ever watch these guys, Solar Observers, there on YouTube. They talk about, you know, solar solar flares, solar winds, the, the magnetic field around the Earth. They talk about a number of um, catastrophe cycles, and they walk through the, <clears throat> where the the Earth-Sun location is magnetic field, pole shift, bunch of different things. And the premise that he threw in front of me that I didn't originally or initially um, pay attention to was this magnetic field weakening. And we had the, well, it's about a two-hour conversation, but... It's something I haven't considered, but it would explain if the magnetic field around the earth is getting weaker, it would explain a lot of the weird weather we're having. And then the other conversation we had was we started talking through how much power would it take to to power something from space back to earth? And I have had many conversations about how hard it is to put something up into orbit and maintain it in orbit, And it's it's extremely hard. It's extremely hard. And one of the things that's really hard to do is to keep, because you have to maneuver around space junk, you have to keep track of the space junk. you have to keep track of the satellite in orbit. Anyway, this whole conversation we talked about, and essentially what I heard is it's not feasible to put a weapon in space with a laser because the amount of energy is required to send it back down to the planet. Okay, that's fair. And the other part of it, is that for an energy weapon to affect the weather, you're talking about a massive amount of power. Okay, that's fair too. So what if the weather we're seeing, all this weird weather, the floods around the planet, the enormous amount of lightning and lightning strikes, as well as the thunderstorms and the unseasonable cool and hot weather in different parts of the world, what if that's all related to the magnetic uh, field around the Earth? I mean, think about it. It's a... It's a potential that's that's not only probable, but it's plausible. And if it's plausible, then it, it could very well be the catalyst that's driving the elite to accelerate their plans. What if they know the field, if it gets to a certain place or a certain strength, that they don't have control of the environment? And it would, exp- it would explain a lot around why they're trying to dig some deep holes and why the elite are digging deep holes. Especially when the elite are digging deep holes to build these massive bunkers. In case in point, that the mountain that's down in Texas that Jeff Bezos has carved out for himself, that's a pretty significant sized area underground. And, and I got to be perfectly honest. I could not live underground. I just I couldn't do it. i've I've done that that whole shtick. I've seen what that looks like. I've you know after being in a launch control center, and being underground in underground, you know, uh, U.S. bunkers as well as U.S. convenience centers, I can tell you that that is some place that I do not want to be again. I especially don't want to live underground in a windowless environment. I've been there, done that, got that T-shirt. So, it's a it's food for thought, and it's it's definitively worth thinking through because it could be one of the things that's on the list that's driving there driving the elites or parasitical elites, as I've been told to say, driving their timeline. And uh, I don't know, I I, I give it a lot of thought over the weekend. And it's, it's like these conversations, um, they, they pop up like every week. It, it's amazing how it works, right? I get ready to do one of these shows and I have like six different topics I want to talk through. And... I end up getting a call just before, and I end up talking about something else. the The point is, though, is that what we're seeing right now across the spectrum, especially in the information space, is a lot of misdirection and a lot of misinformation. A lot of that misinformation, a lot of that um, distraction, is to keep us away from a bigger event that a lot of people are seeing coming now. And I don't know what that event is I think it's multiple events that are all culminating in a certain place but I think it's i think it's on the horizon I don't think we're that far away and it it bears you know stands to reason that the theatrics we're seeing in dc like yeah last week literally when that biden impeachment hearing started my phone blew up and I, I ignore the politics in dc for the most part because most of the time the only thing you're getting in there you're 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 literally getting out of that whole kabuki theater is just noise there's zero signal there just like there's zero signal with many of the state capitals and the state legislatures because the state legislature they're they're worried about a more they have a more myopic view of the world and the things that they're paying attention to is only what the very rich in the state care about, and you know, for them, it's taxes, property ownership, and zoning for the most part. It's it's not a there's not a a number of big topics there to pay attention to either. And and I've talked about this several sit reps. And where I'm going with a lot of these conversations, look, a lot of these conversations, a lot of this information that's coming out now, a lot of it's noise, and a lot of the a lot of the actions that are being take, that are being taken at the national level, that there, there's no, there's not one piece of that that's going to be good for the American people. There's not going to be any any good information that comes out of the budget or the government shutdown. That's all noise. There's not going to be anything that comes out of any of the Trump hearings. That's all noise. There's not going to be anything that comes out of. Any of the impeachment hearings. That's all noise. And there was speculation last week around who's going to take Feinstein's job. Is it going to be Camilla Harris? Because the the, the whole conspiracy community was talking about, well, Newsom's going to go to the vice presidency and Harris is going to go to Feinstein's role. Well, I guess they solved that problem today and everybody was wrong. The question is, what are you going to do about it? Seriously, what are you going to do about who they put in office? You don't care. You don't care because it doesn't matter. That You have zero impact on that. The things that you have impact on are right in front of you, your family, your friends, your work, your church, your community. That's what you have direct impact to. And literally the conversation that I had, especially the space conversation, we're talking about all this nebulous stuff. And finally about midway through, I said to him, I'm like, how much control over this do we have? He's like, none. I'm like, so why are you worried about it? I don't think they have space-based weapons that can do what they think, what people think they can do. I don't think they have airborne weapons that can do half the things that people think they can do. And here's a case in point, because I literally just had this conversation before I started this. So there was there was this, about two years ago, there was all this conversation around chemtrails and that in Pima, there's an airfield down in Pima, Pima County that's for they, where they retire and mothball commercial airlines. And literally you drive, you could drive right, right to it. There's no gates. You just drive right to it. And there's some CIA ops there, but there's no logistics there. And there's a national guard armory there, but there's all these, these commercial tails that are sitting there. And just a cursory amount of driving around that place. Cause I've driven down there. I've driven right up to it. And I've been around that whole place, and there's no, there's no place for them to do to load millions of gallons of chemicals to fly out of there, and there's no jets going in and out of there. Jets come in, they park them, they break them up, they sell the parts, and the parts that they can't sell, they melt them down or they sell them as scrap. That's literally what happens there, and I tried to have a conversation with several people that were going, going down the road that this actually existed. I'm like, I've been there. That doesn't exist. A lot of this stuff is noise. And a lot of the stuff I don't pay attention to, and that's why I don't pay attention to. I do a cursory amount of research and figure out if it's true or not. And I always start from the premise that things are BS anyway, and then work my way work my way backwards from that. And most of the time I find out, yeah, most of it's BS. And that's why I'm not paying attention to national level politics. That's why I'm not paying attention to local level politics. It's why I'm not paying attention to state politics. Once they compromised the vote in 2022 here in Arizona, there was no point in paying attention to anything election related. No, no point whatsoever, because I knew exactly what the game plan was. The game plan was to install people in the key positions in the government to oversee the institutionalizing of the cheating at the local level, especially the board of supervisors here. So the sheriff was brought in. Obviously, a compromised asset was brought in to run roughshod over the MTEC after the election in 2022. And what did they take 12 days to count votes? It was it was nonsense. Everybody knew it was nonsense. But that was indicative of the fact that they had complete control of the counting. And because they had control of the counting, it doesn't matter who runs. It doesn't matter what issues are on the ballot. It doesn't matter who's in office, whatever issue, candidate, or measure that they want to pass, they're going to pass. They're going to install everything. And Katie Hobbs was brought in to stall for two more years until 24 so they can consolidate power and turn the state blue. Why would I worry about that if I know at the end state already? The end state is they're going to turn the state blue and they're going to institutionalized cheating, and just like Washington, Oregon, California, Massachusetts, Vermont, Maryland, and a host of other blue states, you will never get the state back to a Republican control until you fix the voting system. And the only way the voting system is going to be fixed now is through gunfire. So why would I worry about that or pay attention to it if I know that that's the outcome already? You see where I'm going with that? This has been a constant conversation for the past year and a half. People are still wrapped up. Well, Trump's gonna win. How's that gonna happen? How is Trump going to win if they control the counting centers? It doesn't matter how many votes they they ballot harvest. It doesn't matter how many people show up to the polling centers. It doesn't even matter how many people are observers in the counting rooms. They are still going to install who they want despite the fact that Trump may have had an overwhelming landslide just like he did in 2020. So that's why I don't worry about it. There's absolutely no point. Until the American people stand up and come together, guess what? Doesn't matter. So I focus on the local level. I'm focusing on family, friends, church, community. Because there's no place else to focus my attention. The national level is a waste of time. The state level is a waste of time. And I'm not going to devote any energy to something that's not going to that's not going to bear fruit because we're well past the culmination point. It's like the economy. This, this, uh, troop. The the I finally reading the comments. Bear with me, troop. We could return to the precinct voting until we control the MTEC. We have observers in the MTEC, and it's a fair count with paper ballots. Never going to happen. You know how that's going to end. It only ends one way with gunfire. It's the only that's the only way we're taking back our country is we have to stop the tyrants that are in our, there now. And it's not. And here's the other piece, folks. It's not the tyrants in office. All of those people are controlled assets. Every single one of them is owned by somebody. Even Matt Getz. I mean, come on. The guy's been on every. He does more. Video blogging, and he does more interviews than he does work in DC. And he's talking about the debt ceiling. I had to laugh last week the debt ceiling, because you you already know the answer to the question before they even start the debate. They 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 spend all week high drama, high BS, and they end up passing continuing resolution. You know how the story ends every single time. So yeah, I, I agree. So it's, it's literally the same story every single time. So that's, again, that's why I don't pay attention to national level policy. I said last week, it's not going to go anywhere. They're going to pass, they're going to pass a resolution. It's done deal. Why, why care about it? So and, and true, I don't disagree. There's no accountability, but it's more than that. These people are paid off by oligarchs and oligarchs have privatized our elections. That's what's happened. That's the bigger picture. So anyway, so. What I wanted to talk about today was I wanted to talk about the signal and noise that's out there, especially around a lot of these political candidates like Feinstein's death. You know, it's going to be a spectacle. You know, they're going to appoint somebody. A lot of these moves people want to look into and say it's a strategic move. It's a it's a it's a tactical move. It's it's a move. And it's a move that doesn't matter because they already have control of the Senate. and. If if you've never heard me before, bear with me for a second, because in 2020, everybody thought that the election was to remove Trump. It was not. The theatrics and the noise around 2020 was so they could take the Senate, because they need the Senate in order to veto, in order to approve bills, and to get the green agenda through. That's where Mark Kelly got through. And that's where a bunch of other candidates in other red states got elected was in 2020. That was the real coup. Trump was just greed on top of the coup that they conducted. The scam that they wanted to run was to distract everybody with Trump and then install all of these these, um, Democratic-owned candidates like Mark Kelly into office so they could change the Constitution. And at the meantime, in 2022, they would consolidate power and control both houses. And the plan was to control both houses and then change the Constitution. Go back to 2009, 2010, when Obama was talking about transforming America. And you will see what he's talking about. He's talking about changing the Constitution, striking down the 1st, 2nd, 3rd, 4th, and 14th Amendment, and turning us into a complete police state. And for whatever reason, their plans were disrupted. I'm not going to start talking about White Hats. I'm not going to talk about a bunch of general officers. Ask Trump to, to, to run. It doesn't matter. For 2020, it doesn't matter. What matters in 2020 is that they stole the Senate. And then in 22, they took the state houses and control of the swing states. That was the plan. Now they own the swing states. So they're set up for 24. All they have to do is stall for another year. They don't have to pass anything. They don't have to approve anything. They don't have to do anything in any of the state senates in the swing states, and they control the vote. That's the plan. Look at what Katie Hobbs has done since she's came to town in Arizona. She hasn't signed one bill. She's vetoed everything, and she's done away with every single executive order that challenges, blocks, or impedes any of their agenda. So 24 rolls around. They install the remainder of control in Arizona, and we become a blue state. Guess what the first thing they do? They vote to change the Constitution so we're no longer a Second Amendment sanctuary state. That's where all of this is going. So this whole conversation around Trump coming back, it's all nonsense. There's no pathway for Trump to come back. I don't care how much Seth Keschel says there is. I don't care how much... Anybody else says, or Steve Banner or the rest of them, until you control the counting centers, there is no way for Trump to come back. There's no avenue. There's no vector for him to come back, even if you cheat. The only way to do that is if we take back control of our states. And that only happens one way, and that's through gunfire. And to be honest with you, I don't think the American people have the balls to do it because the conversations I've had this week, they all end the same way. And this is the part that gets under my skin. I've only had two conversations in the last month with field grade officers that were on the same page I was. And one of them said it way better than I could say it. We are going to have to recover, defeat, uh, recover, retreat, recover, retreat until we can mount an organized defense. And that's going to come at the cost of millions of lives and millions of people that are in the wrong headspace. And they're going to have to get woken into reality. And they're probably only going to last one battle that will be decisive. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized he's probably right. I've been looking at it the wrong way. I've been looking at the local communities will band together and start throwing out the foreigners first and then throw off the, the shackles of government but I realized people would be starving at the same time. So, okay, I'll buy that. That's a fair, that's a fair assessment. Either way, there's no good answer there. And it's because people have, and again, this, this was, this goes back to my conversation about what led us here. And what led us here is that most people don't take an active part or an active role in our government. And it's, 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 you, you could say it's disconcerting, but that's really not the word I'm looking for. It's just part of our nature. It looks like I've got uh, Lieutenant Conrad that's joining us, so let me join him into the stage. Hang on just a second here. Colonel Conrad, are you there?
1: Hey, good evening. You have me, Steve.
0: Thanks, brother. Appreciate you uh, joining on short notice. I uh, I threw this together, and I've <laughs> I had all kinds of internet problems, so it, it actually worked out. So what I'm talking about, I'm talking about the... Uh, the pathway that people keep saying that Trump's going to come back and win. There's no pathway for him to do that. They own the swing states. They're institutionalized and cheating in all the swing states. There's no way for him to come back.
1: Well, Steve, while you're on that subject, if I could bring up something that's a corollary to that, I I want to point out that the Democrats, because we think so much about the Republican side, the Democrats um, are in an interesting situation themselves because they can't stand the idea of Biden getting up there. They know he's never gonna be able to make it. He'll be lucky to make it through this term, let alone a second term. But in addition to that, we had all this speculation about Michelle Obama coming in, perhaps getting this, this Senate seat or somehow getting introduced or Kamala Harris getting pushed in. And I think Gavin Newsom put somebody else in there today, this morning. And so, you know, I was thinking about the the Michelle Obama situation and I I had seen something written where this, and now this is just hearsay, but what was written was that uh, there was comments from the parents of the chef that was found floating near the Obama estate and that he was collecting dirt and going to, you know, put a tell-all expose together. Whether that's true or not, I have no idea, but... The situation involves investigation, and it really makes me wonder if if that that guy drowning has made them shift plans and go to something different uh, because the Obamas are just worried about too much heat through investigation going on around them right now.
0: I I I look at that a different way, Dave. So first of all, the the whole publication. And all of the conjecture around the the cook or the chef that died, that was to take the Obamas off the board. That was done intentionally. And I think that's what I'm saying. I think it was done intentionally by the Newsom camp and by Pelosi to make sure that there wasn't a pathway for Mike, Big Mike, to get into office and them to get gruesome Newsom into office and everybody speculated this week. There was, there was, I shouldn't say everybody make a blanket statement, but screw it. It's, it's my show. I can make a blanket statement. So <laughs> every, I, I'm going to say that all, most of the pundits on, on the alternative media side, were saying that Camilla was going to be moved to Feinstein's position and Newsom was going to be moved to the the white house. Has anybody considered that maybe the elite in DC don't like Newsom? They hate him more than they hate Camilla Harris. And they hate they hate Camilla Harris more than they hate Hillary Clinton. I mean, come on. People seem to think that this is a conversation that's about people that are all friends, that these people are are despicable. They're all power hungry narcissists. And I want everybody that's listening to this. How many narcissistic people do you know that you can actually have a conversation with them where they consider anybody else on the planet besides themselves? And you're talking about an entire state that is full of them. I actually should say states, because it's it's New York, it's Maryland, it's Virginia, it's Delaware, all around the Beltway. And those people are so narcissistic they could create a black hole of narcissism. And you're you're telling me those people are going to get along? It's it's literally. I think the problem you're describing, Dave, which I I don't disagree with. I think the problem what you're describing is that you have a bunch of people vying for power in the beltway right now, and they wanted to take Obama off the board. And and who's to say that that Big Mike doesn't want the job? Well, I,
1: I agree. I think they did want to take Obama off the board. But the way I'm looking at this, what I'm saying is I don't know if there's any heir apparent. I think there's a real struggle within their ranks. Uh, you look at Newsom and you realize this is a guy who, for heaven's sakes, in the state of California, if things had been done legally, probably would have been recalled. Now, if he
0: can't. Oh, he if, would have been recalled. Not That's, probably, what, that's, sort of, that's what
1: I'm saying. Yeah. And so if, if he can't garner any kind of support in his own state, a state like California, how well is he going to fare on the national stage, well, especially in flyover country?
0: Not very well. Hey.
1: well. Well, I'm, so you had this identity crisis because unlike the past where they had people groomed, who's the heir apparent to step in? And so, you know, they're not going to go with with Kennedy
0: that made that abundantly clear. Well, no, because he actually makes sense. He's got talking and, points. He's got a moral compass. And, and so we're, you have to put somebody in that's douchey McDouchebag on the douchebag scale. So but we're, to- vers-
1: we're virtually in a situation where. You know, if Trump is unelectable because we don't have people controlling the, or, you know, observing the count and they, on the other hand, you know, the Democrat side don't have someone that they're willing to put in or comfortable putting in. It, it's almost like failure on both sides. What do we do now? Well, you know?
0: I. So there's there's two parts to that. I again, you, you and I are thinking of the same same sheet of music, right? Their problem is not. Who do we bring in? It's who's the least amount of douchey to bring in that the people will buy is legitimate, right? I don't, I don't buy the premise that Newsom's legitimate under any circumstances. The guy's, I mean, he looks like Lucifer, talks like Lucifer, acts like Lucifer. He's Lucifer. Although Jared Kushner, between him and Jared Kushner, I can't tell which one is more more evil. But anyway, suffice to say, they are what they are. I I think the quandary is not just that. It's once they remove Biden from power, then are they going to be able to control the person they put in the, in the white house? And I don't think it's just the elite that are saying this. He's a Chinese asset and he's a Russian oligarch and Ukrainian oligarch asset. So who could they put in there? That's as compromised as he is. That's really the question. I mean, Harris too stupid, I, I would hate to see her give the State of the Union speech. I thought the first Trump's State of the Union was bad. Wow. That would be a train wreck of epic proportions. But you see where I'm going with that, right? There's, It's not just that they they can't replace him with somebody. It's that I don't think the the people who control Biden on the back end can agree on who it should be. I don't think it's just the elite that are, are fighting amongst themselves. Because remember, there's a lot... These are all marriages of convenience that were made to move Trump out of office and to move the country towards this one world government. And a lot of that is falling fall apart at the seams. And I think, again, you and I talked about this on the phone. I think it was last week where we're both saying the one thing we haven't seen show up yet is the law of unintended consequences. And you could talk through that as much as I can, but you know that's coming, right? Because there's, they're going to do something and move somebody into a position that's going to be a blunder. I can't help but think that that's that's on the way.
1: I, I do think
0: that it's an uphill
1: climb for anybody on the Democrat side because you have a majority of independents that are going to almost default to the Republican side, given you know, given the economy, given everything that's happened in in the Biden administration, and that's why if I were a betting man, I would say somebody. On, on the dais, somebody in the second tier in the Republicans, Trump being the first tier, uh, they're going to try and prop up, whether it's whether it's
0: uh, DeSantis or, or, or was it Vivac or? I think it's Pence. I think it's uh, Pence. I think and, DeSantis you know, was just, because think about it. Look, look at it from the perspective of you're talking about old establishment because these, <laughs> these people have made, Pence made a deal. In 2020, he made a deal, and his deal was: I sell out Trump, we throw Trump out, we we legitimize the election, and then you make me the nominee in 24. That was the deal. And Vivek and and uh, DeSantis and the rest of them, I think they're just window dressing. Look at the look at the the election with McCain. I mean, McCain had no shot, but all of a sudden he is the the leading guy against Obama. If you look back and you look at the candidates they put forward, there's always two or three that are just cannon fodder that that look good early on, and then they get smoked in the first primary. They know they can't match Trump because of the mega movement, so they got to move somebody up that's popular enough. But they'll find some reason to justify Pence moving up in the numbers. Just and but Pence, I wouldn't mind being wrong, but I, Pence, I, but Pence, I would, I would say is unelectable.
1: He's viewed as an abject traitor by everybody on the right. And that's why I say, you know, DeSantis, I I personally think he shot his wad and is, is uh, not likely to get the nomination, but I think somebody else will emerge from the ranks. I don't think it'll be Pence because he's just unelectable from, from the right hand side. Um, I think you'll see a hard push for Vivek or, or, um, I'm blanking. Uh, female, dark hair, former governor. Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley. Somebody like that. They'll try and they'll try and push somebody like that that I, will carry on I, their agenda.
0: I can see Nikki Haley, but I can't see Vivek. Uh, Vivek's too, he's too outside the establishment. I mean, he's probably controlled. Let me just put that out there. He's probably controlled just like the rest of them because he made it on stage. You don't get on stage unless you're controlled. But I think Nikki Haley, she has the same problem that Pence does. She's not likable. And She's not charismatic. And this, the, the BS she's talking, the neocon conversation she's talking, is the same issue, right? But, again, both sides have the same issue. They don't have anybody that's likable or believable to put into office, install. And that's really what 24 is going to be as an installation. So... If, it, if we look at the candidates objectively and we say these people could win during a real election, I would say Pence, Haley, Christie, and DeSantis don't have a chance. Vivek has a chance, but he'd ultimately lose to Trump because Trump's, he's got the charisma factor, but more importantly, he's already got the street cred with the people because of his last, his last term. And there's, you can't, the one thing I agree with Steve Bannon on, you can't beat Trump because he's. He's already got a proven track record. He's doing the right thing for the American people. I mean, minus warp speed, the vaccines, a few others, but you know what I'm saying.
1: I do, I do. Um, so, you know, stranger things have happened. We don't know if if some dark horse will emerge from from, you know, God knows where. But let's also remember one other factor, and that is we have this agenda 2030. We have the plan, so to speak. We know that. Uh, you know the oligarchs always have a plan, whether it's Plan A, Plan B, or Plan C. Well, they're and on Plan B now. They're moving underwater. The water. But you go back to the original plan. The original plan before Trump came on the scene was to have um, you know Hillary come in, set up set up things much the way Biden has in the first term, and and pretty much collapse the United States economy, et cetera, in the second term.
0: That's coming. I, that's and coming.
1: and how much are they? going to be willing to divert from that. That's the schism. That's that's the challenge that they face. Is it's an uphill climb for anybody on the left side of the aisle to get in there, given the last three years, but it's somebody from that side is more willing to carry out the plans.
0: Unless they're to willing like,
1: to push it back five, you know, four years.
0: Do you want to know who I who I would love to see, run? Who's that? John Wick. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Vote for Bubby Yeager. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist, man. Uh, that's that's all right. Yeah have, have a fictional character run. I think it'd be more believable than anything else for C right. What's the hotel? What's the hotel? Oh uh, somebody help us out. What's the hotel? The on the uh there's a new the show the Continental Grounds.
1: The Continental. There's a new show called The Continental. That's awesome. I, I can't wait to see it. It
0: came to mind when you started talking about them uh, you know, yeah. Those those the dark horse. I'm like, I know who the dark horse should be. <laughs> Not well, Keanu Reeves, because would be like, well, I'm president. But yeah,
1: I mean I don't know how far you want to go down the road on on the whole election thing, but I think well, I think, was just I, trying to, I, I was just I trying think to the environment out. is gonna change quite a bit over the course of this next year.
0: I think over the next month. I if I'm looking at What's going on right now? So, we talked briefly earlier about Epic Times is reporting that. Um, by the way, we're switching topics here. Gotcha. Um, the uh Epic Times reported that there's Chinese army troops, regulars, coming across the border now. I don't know if there's truth or not, but if Epic Times is reporting it, there's got to be some truth to it. And that's a different dynamic than we've seen. We've already speculated because we've seen Chinese military age males coming across, but now they're talking about. Entire Chinese army units coming across. That's an interesting. That's an interesting change of pace in the last couple of weeks. And if, you know, I, I, we could go down the rabbit hole of what that means.
1: Well, let me let me double down on that for a second. Uh, first, I've got a friend who, he's a retired major, and he's got connections in homeland security. And uh, his, you know, his comment to me was, "There are people coming through." that are in identifiable six and eight man teams. He said this to me about two months ago, but on top of that, I literally just last week saw, uh, something, some, somebody was reporting people quote unquote, dressed in similar clothes, dressed essentially the same looking like a unit, uh, getting out of vehicles
0: coming towards our border. Yep. I've heard that, uh, since, uh, February of this year. From a variety of sources not just dhs but dhs border patrol uh, folks that are still in the system i've heard it from a lot of different places so I, I i know it's true and the question is those six or eight man teams coming across that could be platoon size element could be a squad you you can do the math on it all they need is an assembly area and you've got yourself a, a brigade or battalion and they've got the land next to our military bases so my, you know, when I first started talking about it, you only move those kind of forces and make that kind of display when you're building up for something. You don't just move them in the area and let them hang out in the AO because you got to keep troops active and occupied. Otherwise, they start doing stupid things. And doesn't matter which army they're in. That's just soldiers to soldiers. So Some, I, I, I just want to jump in
1: and say, uh, Surf in the universe asked how many Chinese troops. You know, I would have to estimate given. The, given the fact that there were hundreds of thousands of Chinese, uh, if you want to call them illegals or students or not non-legitimate citizens already here, and given the fact that this has been going on for the last three years almost continuously,
0: you're talking way in the six figures as probably, far as probably Chinese. a couple of million at least. At least. And that's... Uh, be conservative we're being conservative with it too because we're talking about chinese infiltration that's gone on for years through the university system through the work visas through a variety of different venues they they could have been stockpiling troops here long term again chinese play the long game and dave you can talk through that more than i can but they're playing the long game and now this is the final the final influx of troops before they conduct some kind of operations that's how i see it
1: well Remember, the Chinese are gonna be very careful with any kind of attribution. And we just saw somebody, I can't recall if it was on on your channel, Steve, or somebody else's, uh, they were identifying people, uh, they were, what was it they were saying? They were saying, uh, I wanna say Peru, I could be wrong about the nation, but they were literally taking 4,500 murderers and rapists out of the prisons, uh, putting them on vehicles, and 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 heading them towards our border and there was there was one video of a young guy uh, probably 23 years old or so standing up uh, waving and in probably in spanish Uh, i don't speak spanish so i couldn't translate but the translation was essentially uh we are coming to your country and we we are going to do incredible things to you go ahead fall asleep next to me sitting on a subway or on a bus, you won't wake up. And so, you know, you've got forty-five hundred, you know, uh, class one convict felons here, violent, uh, violent criminals, willing to take lives, who are going to lead the charge in terms of attention in the media. And those guys will probably suck up, uh, you know, a lot of the limelight, so to speak while Chinese can lay low in the background and take care of, you know, whether they want to uh, work near some of these classified installations and start doing, um, you know, sabotage operations, whether they want to disrupt lines of communication uh, with rail lines, um, you know, air terminal hubs, uh, major road networks, bridges. There's any number of things they can do effectively uh, in the shadows of somebody else who are on a killing rampage.
0: I I think that that's entirely what they're bringing them up for. They bring up all the convicts. Because remember, this is being bought, rented lips. This is being run by the UN. There's Literally, they're using the meet, CNN International to broadcast this. They published an application so people can pick which flight and which city they want to live in. So they have multiple lines of effort. This would be right in their wheelhouse to bring up the killers, rapists, and murderers to create chaos in the cities, and then use the troops to go after a military bases and critical infrastructure. It's two different lines of operation. Of course, that's what they're going to do. And the question really boils down to: Let's say that they bring in these separate lines of operation, and they're they're doing strikes against critical infrastructure. Because think about it: you take down comms, you take that, you take down power, you take down water. And the and the World Economic Forum just said. Water is going to be the next crisis they're telling they tell you beforehand what they're going to do guess what that that makes a lot of sense to me that that's how they they would initiate and kick off operations so i, I think that's wholeheartedly um on the wheelhouse but i think the thing that's um i think there's two sides to this i think the other side of this is they, they could be going after specific parts of the country and not other parts of the country based on where they see our center of gravity. And, and Troop's right. He's Troop wrote a, It's on Telegram. In my main channel, you can see Troop's... Um, what do you call it? Troop's threat assessment. Man, yeah, threat I'm assumption. having a day. I'm having a day. So he, he wrote a pretty good threat assessment on the current situation. I think he's pretty spot on. I mean, look at what... The conversation around the Panama Canal troop called that a year ago, and when we talked about it a year ago, I was like, "We gave up the Panama Canal five years ago." And it's just now people start to realize it, and this, this, there was an article that came out today that the World Economic Forum is using U.S. military bases in Panama to stage and move people. I see that highly plausible and highly probable, because look at what we we're we're, we're we're housing people on US military bases right now. This is not a new phenomenon. How we're store- how we're yeah, how we're storing them, how we're housing them and how we're moving them, that's always the question. I see this I see multiple lines of effort here because it's not just Chinese. There's Iranian, probably Russian special forces here. It, that's exactly the point I was going to make was if this is going
1: to be the third world war, it's well well technically we understand that there are state actors involved. You're going to have a majority of these people claiming to be non-state actors. This is going to be an international conflict of a different flavor. And it's it's going to be something, um, most of us, uh, unless you were involved in counterinsurgency operations, you know, most, most people think of phase three operations, kinetic warfare, like world war II. Where things are clear cut everybody's in uniforms easily identical uh you know linear battlefield etc this is going to be very very different and i'm sure steve that that you and and troop and myself would be almost in complete lockstep in in virtually every aspect of threat assessment in these kinds of operations the one thing i i would keep an eye towards is how are they going to keep um their own vulnerabilities, their own risk level low so that attribution isn't rendered upon them. Because as we know, it's easy. It's we, easy. Yeah. But if we come out of this and we identify that these, that China has clearly infiltrated and, and uh, invaded our country, then, you know, the potential for the gloves to come off is limitless.
0: Well, I, so they're leveraging two things and uh, Hey, true, man, you can you, if I add you to this, can you jump in? Do you got time to do it? I'll put that out in the chat. He'll. Um. Anyway, they're leveraging it. So the difference between our society and the Iraqi society or Af- Afghan society is that those. All right, stand by. I'll send it to you in a second. Those. Those communities knew exactly who was there, who should be there, who shouldn't be there. Because remember, you had tribal then you had the religious, and then you had the political in those areas, right? So we don't have that here. Most people don't don't even know who their neighbors are <clears throat> three doors down because they don't pay attention. And the only, the only time they notice anything unusual is if they're paying attention for more than two days at a time, which most people don't. They're leveraging that. They're absolutely leveraging that. You don't think that they've studied our cultural norms and how how we as a society have operated i mean i i'll give you a perfect example of why this is so easy to do here my before i moved to arizona my commute my little neighborhood i lived in a cul-de-sac in in washington and there was 12 houses i knew everybody but three three families in my my little area but it's because i made the effort Most of them never made the effort to come figure out who I was, even though they drove by me and I was in the yard every, almost every day, they never stopped to introduce themselves. They never stopped to talk unless I made the effort. And the guy next to me was a retired army engineer. Talk about something to come. He's officer too. We maybe talked maybe once a quarter, maybe, and it wasn't for lack of trying. That's the American public. It's because everyone's too busy. They're wrapped up in their own lives, but they're more absorbed in social media and, and sedentary activities. They're leveraging that, which is why I've been saying to the, to this group that the broader purpose of the community conversation and human connections is so, you know, who's in your neighborhood, you know, who belongs there, who doesn't belong there. And, because the Chinese aren't going to show up in a car full or a van or two vans and get out and just take your neighborhood over. That's not how they're going to do this. They're going to create the ultimate amount of chaos in the big cities. People are going to move to the, to the, uh, to the rural areas, and then they're going to move out of the the, the the major cities. They're going to consolidate power first, and they're going to move outward. That's how this is all going to go. The, the, the entire conversation that people get wrapped up in is they think that you're right. People are going to show up with uniforms and it's going to be this big forward edge of the battle area fight. None of that is true. Hang on. I'm trying to add troop here. Hang on. I don't know. Am I, am I, do you think I'm crazy on that one? I mean, you think I'm crazy anyway, but do you think I'm crazy on that? Start there.
1: No, I, I think, I think you're, uh I think you're on the money with that. You know, when you think about, um, on a much, much, much smaller scale, something like, uh, you know, Ireland and United, and uh, Great Britain, uh, where it's very difficult to identify who the enemy is. You know, uh, like you said, we're not tribal here in this country, but we're so uh, heterogeneous racially that identifying who the good guys are and the bad guys is an exceptionally, um, you know, large problem in this kind of an event.
0: It is because we're are, and this goes back to why the whole um, equity versus inclusion nonsense doesn't play with the American people because we're not this, as much as people want to say it, we're not a racist country and just like this whole white, toxic male, toxic masculinity, white, white supremacist nonsense. That that's all a construct that didn't work. And it was a, it was influencing operations. It was not thought out well, and it wasn't thought out well. And it didn't play well. Again, BS has to be, it has to be both fresh and well packaged. And they just, it's like the climate stuff. They haven't packaged that well either. And it's, it, it should tell you how out of touch they are. But on this, they they totally have read the situation the right way because I think they the Chinese especially have spent years and decades studying the American culture. Where I think they're going to get it wrong, and where this ultimately gets tripped up, is long term sustainment act, um, activities, because I think I think you and and um, and uh, Colonel Piper were correct, in assuming that this is a one trick pony. They play their one trick, and they they got to do the maximum amount of damage because once we reconstitute and get organized, we're going to hand them their ass. Because the one thing that they haven't anticipated is there's millions of combat veterans here that will not play, and are armed and ready to go. So as much as, as much as I want to, uh, um, as much as I want to say that it's not. I think there is there is definitively going to be a line in the sand where they've gone too far and overreached, even, even with the best laid plans. Well, I, I, you know,
1: we're already seeing video on a daily basis of uh, racially generated, uh, you know, violent attacks on the Internet. And, um, you know, people ought to be waking up as it is and, and increasing their situational awareness. But, you know, that's, you talk about line of sight and so on. Um, you, again, go back to the historic presidents of, you know, the immediate post-Civil War, when things really fell apart, the social fabric of the Confederacy fell apart. Um, bands of men had to group together just so women could go shop because they couldn't go to town and conduct you know normal civil activities and so you know you could see things in the meantime uh, breaking down quite a bit and uh you know society it's already,
0: will, it's already happening man society happening. will react society yeah. will react it's already happening hey troop thanks for jumping into the into the conversation i should have had you earlier man sorry and by the way uh the the shills are already out they're already starting to disrupt the chat But. I've blocked a couple of them. So we must be over target, man, because now we're drawing a, a crowd of sh- shills that are posting all kinds of uh, weird stuff. I guess we lost Troop. I guess he did want to join. Ah, we're back to ping pong. Did, Troop, we got you? Or are you, are you going to jump yeah. out again? You copy? Yeah. Unclear. Yeah.
2: I love this phone. <laughs> <laughs> that,
0: that's, why, that's why I said no phones, computers only. But uh, Yeah. So- Anyway, let's talk you throughout assessment because you you uh, you were listening to this, I know, and you've you've covered this ground. I want to give you some airtime because I think you and Colonel Conrad are on the same sheet of music as as this plays out. But I was just saying that they the the Chinese are going to leverage the fact that most people in the neighborhoods in American neighborhoods don't know who their neighbors are. Just saying.
2: Yeah, and the, one of the things that we looked at was. What are these teams doing here? So when you're seeing groups of 8, 10, or 12 people come over, the first thing is, uh, I don't know what the bigger number of bifurcation is, but if you have Iranians, Chinese, Russians, and other state actors and literal terrorists uh, moving teams across the border, they're not moving just random military-aged foot soldiers across the border. They're moving specialized groups that are trained in Disruption of water, power, utilities, traffic, other types of infrastructure. They have very specific objectives and missions. They move them into very specific places and then they kind of wait in a loitering pattern and acquire their resources, which is very easy to do in the United States until there's an order given to perform an action. And just how we prosecute targets in the military, we're not just going to go blow up a village because we don't like the village. We're going to blow up villages that are around a strategic objective so that we can demoralize forces and then attack the thing that has no longer layers of security around it or resistance. So the real question for people like Stephen Murray and David Conrad are to try to figure out what these specific military objectives would be so that we could model what are the probable targets that are surrounding those areas that should be shored up. Or at least when you start seeing this stuff pop off, you know that it's all a big diversion. What's the, what's the main attack? What's the main thrust coming? And it isn't, it isn't just a matter of a bunch of crazy drug cartel people running around with AK-47s and shooting at the neighborhood. Now, the other part of that that the Chinese are counting on isn't just you don't know your neighbor, but generally people will follow the path of least resistance. So if you move in an organized military attachment into a, some type of town that you want to control... You're going to do that by disrupting power, water, electricity, sewage, everything, transportation. And then after they suppress any type of resistive forces, whether it's patriots or whether it's military, then they can very easily gain command and control of the population. You don't want to die? Come down here, turn in your guns, whatever. We'll give you water. We won't kill you. We're the good guys, you know, whatever. Um, A lot of people have a a kind of a a UN blue helmet fear of this, but I would say that that's a good corollary to at least start to understand or distinguish exactly how the Chinese military tactics work, especially in a bunch of impoverished nations in Africa where I've said for years the United States should have been investing in and now they're ahead of the power curve. But they do the exact same thing. They create disruption, they arm uh, minor factions, they create a lot of chaos, and then they move in like the Pied Piper of Nottingham, and they offer a solution to a problem that literally they created. And that's, that's where the leftists got a lot of that from their playbook, right? But when we're, when we're seeing these military forces move across, or these small units, or these small teams move across, they're moving across with the most powerful thing that they could have, which is the most portable thing, and that's training. And I've said before, you have faith in God in your training. Well, these godless commies have a lot of training And they have a lot of access to everything that they need to configure whatever types of implements or resources or capabilities that they need to have in place before they're given an op order. It's just, it's up to our intelligence community to determine where they're going to focus. And then the biggest threat, the unpredictable one is, again, the Iranians are doing this. They're not coordinating with the Chinese. They're not coordinating with the Russians. So we have multiple groups of multiple Coordinated assets that are moving to multiple cities, and they have multiple independent objectives.
0: And, it, it, and again, you bring in different different troops for different missions and different lines of effort. And you know they're they're going to get the big bang for the buck in the major cities first, and then move out to the rural areas, right?
2: but why are they doing it though because they're not they're, they're not just going to go and screw up Las Vegas they're not going to waste a bunch of as you've said Steve a very highly coordinated very difficult multi-step events they're going to want to do that to soften Something or prepare something for a secondary attack, which is the main, you know, the main, and it doesn't necessarily have to be an attack, but the main thing that they want to accomplish. So they'll, they'll send the, the specialized teams ahead of that to kind of soften that area and then make whatever that next thing is more palatable.
1: Troop, I agree with you. Uh, this is all going to be done in accordance with a plan. And by no means is the plan uh, created uh, or directed by these troops in the field. This was all planned out years ago uh, in detail. Uh, in my mind, the, the huge question in the entire scenario is where is the line of demarcation between the deep state, that is the oligarchs who are driving things financially and otherwise, uh, who have you know co-opted with the Chinese and with the cartels? Um, Where is there a line of separation? How much cooperation coordination is going on? I would suggest there's a tremendous amount of cooperation and coordination going on between those people, because ultimately, whether it's the cartels and the Chinese or the oligarchs, they all want to reduce the United States to rubble and change us as a nation and as a people. And that's going to be the problem, because one of the ways that we have to take down any of these elements is the same. The same way we did it in in Iraq and Afghanistan in terms of setting up, um, you know, counterinsurgency net, uh, teams of people, developing, uh, you know, link diagram charts, understanding where these folks are operating, who they're connected with, how they conduct things, how they communicate, how they resupply, and then targeting and reducing them. And the people best equipped to do that are federal marshals fbi the intelligence community etc problem then becomes who is the enemy who's on our side who in these institutions is is willing to work for a free america and who in these institutions are already have already sold their soul to the other side that's that's the key operational question because you do need some degree of infrastructure and, um, you know, organization
0: to to counter this on a national scale. I, I so I have I have two two salient thoughts on that. So the first one is who's to say they're not already they haven't already profiled everybody because they've had all kinds of time to do it. And now, number two, the FBI is the most dangerous organization, bar none in the U.S. right now, even more dangerous than the CIA. And the CIA is a crime family. So how can you uh, – I, I don't make the assumption that they're going to. I make the assumption they've already been actively profiling patriots, patriot family, patriot movements, organizations. How else do you explain the infiltration of the Proud Boys? It was so, complete, it was so complete that his lieutenants were all FBI on the FBI payroll, every single one of them. So I, I'm, there's probably Chinese listening to this right now. I, I assume every time I broadcast, there's Chinese FBI and probably DHS listening to me every single time. I, I don't make the assumption that these guys don't have that they're they're building a profile on me. I make the assumption they have a profile, but I'm not a big enough fish for them to go after right now because they still got to go after, you know, some of the controlled assets in the public space like Bain and some of the others. So I'm assuming that that's that's already complete and they're just going to consolidate power and then start saying that, you know, killer. Uh, kill squads to take care of the people that are the biggest threats immediately and then mop up the rest. That's what I would do.
2: Oh, they've got it all loaded up like a pest dispenser. If you remember all the way back to, what was it? My, my space where you had, uh, you didn't have all the AI and facial recognition or anything else that they have now, but you could build an entire linked entity profile network of everybody instantly on command and keep it updated but they don't they don't go after Bannon's and Murray's. What they do is they go after the advisors. So if, if you have somebody with a courageous voice with lots of followers and they have the co-star and they have the whatever guy and the whatever girl, you take those people out. You demoralize. You're
0: screwed. Trump. You, you're screwed. Trump's yeah, screwed. Well, Trump's I mean, you do that. Yeah.
2: I mean, you take out like a General Flynn.
0: Right, but that argument. So, uh, where I'm pushing back on that argument is, I don't disagree, because if if I'm following your logic, then you're already screwed, and so is you know all of all the admins that are. Well, You know what the, I say about the, lists? Yeah, <laughs> do. better to be number one. I know, but I don't disagree. I I think you're I think you're spot on. And but I
2: the purpose think, of that is to demoralize the people that are listening to the leaders. It's always the second guy that builds a movement, not the first guy. You take out that second guy, then you just got the first guy standing on a podium and everybody's afraid to get out on the dance floor.
0: Yeah, I agree. That, that we agree on. I, in this case, though, I, I can't. You guys could both call me crazy. But in this case, here's what I keep coming back to. We're going to be at a point where there's nothing left to lose. And I, I, despite what I think, I think if people know the Chinese are on the ground conducting operation, it's going to piss off a lot more people than they're anticipating. And most importantly, the people that don't have anything left to lose, they're the most dangerous people on the planet. You're, you're about to make millions of them all at once. I don't see that going well for them under any circumstances. And, you know, that, that midway moment. I think is going to be upon us and it'll tip the scales and it'll take us time to figure out that we've tipped the scales. I, 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 that's how I see this playing out. I don't see a playing out where they're going to be able to, you know, move around with impunity and, and take people out. I think they're going to initially have some of that, but then once we get our boots you know, laced up, it's going to be game on. And they Let
2: have. me ask you guys uh, both a question. So in Iraq and Afghanistan, when you were normalizing relationships with the indigenous people and you send out your PIOs, if you see something, say something. And right after you're done handing out free shit, the Taliban or whomever is coming in and they're saying, if you see something, say something. Oh, and by the way, if you talk to those Americans, we're literally going to behead your family. If you were to establish operational control of an area, And say, hey, you know, the worst threat that we have right now are these MAGA Republican insurgents. We have the water and the beans and the medical care. If you see any of these people, turn them in. This is the same exact. And I mean, it happened in the Civil War. It happened in the Troubles in in, uh, northern uh, um, when Belfast uh, it's happened. Uh, it's happened everywhere, actually. I'm, I'm at the top of my list because I didn't. I didn't have my notes when I walked in, but there's been multiple places where you have two opposing. You have the you have the natives versus the external threat, and both of them are communicating with the villagers, and the villagers are scared and they don't know what to do, and they're just kind of looking at this as a rival value proposition. So that is going to. Um, add a lot of dynamic complications to any type of patriot resistance is the, the low tolerance for pain that our internet-connected civilian population has.
0: I think that most of those shitbags are going to get whacked on the first the first couple of weeks because you the, the, let's go back to the Karens and the mask mandates. Let's go back to the vaccine mandates and all those Karens. The, this is different. Because you're right, there's, good, there's going to be a certain portion of the population that can't, they can't stand any amount of adversity whatsoever. So they're going to go along with whatever and walk right into the gas chamber. That's a part of every single society. But when I look back to Iraq, and I look back to 2003 up until 2008, where we finally got control. And you know how we got control? We paid everybody. Petraeus went in there and paid all of the key leaders in the insurgency to stop attacking American soldiers. That was the only way that we could sway the population to support us. Because you're right, they you know we go say we stopped saying it. We didn't even say it in 04. If you see something, say something. We didn't do that because we knew that they we didn't have their trust. And I think it's going to be the same game here. Because the piece that you're downplaying that I think is quintessential to this, to the to what's going to develop out of this is that we're not talking about Iraq? This is Americans. These are American people that are watching this government right now, and there's a lot of pissed off Americans right now because their standard of living has been degraded to the point where they want some payback. And when they see foreign troops on our soil, it's not just going to piss them off. It's going to galvanize them. I, I the the one thing that I that I don't lose sight of is that for every Every time there's a dictator or tyranny around, there's never a shortage of jackbooted thugs. But in this case, there's 150 million Americans that see exactly what's going on. And I don't care how many boots you put on the ground, how disorganized things are going to be. The ground truth will come out. And when it does, you're going to see people band together from all different political spectrums and all walks of life to do one thing. And that's to throw them the fuck out of our country. Sorry. Sorry.
2: I agree. Oh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to get salty.
0: <laughs> well, let's, let's remember,
1: you know, the, the old you know, troop, I, I think what you were referring to was similar tactics to what the African National Congress used to do uh, in Africa. They would go into a village, they'd get the, the tribal leader, bring his family out, and they had a tradition called necklacing. And they would take a tire, they'd fill it with petroleum distillates, they'd put it around somebody's waist, and they'd light it on fire and they would do that as an example. Uh, things like that were done in Vietnamese villages by the Viet Cong, et cetera. Um, I don't think those kind of tactics are gonna work here. I think, uh, I think Steve, you're basically correct. This, is, this isn't Africa, this isn't uh, you know, Afghanistan or Iraq. Uh, you've, got, you've got, I don't think it's 150 million people. I think it's well over 200 million people.
0: And concerned.
1: I yes. think our scale, the scale of this nation, uh it's it's almost going to be like the Ger- like the German war machine going into Russia.
0: And remember um, there may be thing. a certain
1: amount of damage, but there's just too much there's
0: too many of us and there's too many of us armed to the teeth. And there's one thing that <clears throat> one thing that I don't think we're circling around which needs to be called out and that is just like Afghanistan, when the Russians invaded Afghanistan, there was people coming in from all over the world to fight against that machine. We have Canadians, and there's people in Mexico, there's people in the Caribbean. Just because we're seeing an influx of foreigners into this country through this illegal immigration does not mean there's not going to be people to come in and fight with us because they know we're the last bastion. Everybody on the planet knows this is it. We're the backstop. You don't think that people from Germany or from Italy or from uh, Southeast Asia would come here in a minute and fight to throw off this tyranny? Nobody wants to live under Chinese communist rule. No one. Not even the Chinese. So you have people in all of those satellite countries around China that would gladly come here and fight the Chinese if it means that we throw them out once and for all. And that's the other part that they're that they're people are discounting. That's why they have to starve the whole planet at once and restrict movement, because they know when this shit kicks off, this place will be a magnet for people that want to come here and throw the Chinese out, because it's not just us that are going to be fighting them. It's, this is a whole planet. This is, this this will catalyze the whole planet, and I, and I, I don't know why I think that, but I, I look at it from a global perspective, and some of the things that I've heard from other parts of the world I know people would come here and fight if it meant freedom for the rest of the world absolutely they would be here
2: a point of consideration as far as advanced softening of targets if you look at what's going on in Canada and you had the trucker movement and the covid protests and everything else and they're still kind of humming along under a pseudo marxist law um. <laughs> is putting the squeeze on the United States is influencing Canada, influencing everything south of our border. And one of the kind of surprise, we had this conversation today about John Deere laying off people. And if you look at the crop damage, if you look at the major capital purchases, if I'm going to buy a $2 million combine, I'm going to buy the 2032 model because i'm going to do asset depreciation on my fleet and i'm going to go ahead and you know sign commitments to have that equipment delivered in 10 years john deere's laying off people because all of the people that are buying these massive combines the dutch the ukrainians um that big swath of you know in east palestine and and, in the central united states there's a lot of there's a lot of damage that's been done and there's a lot of influence and a lot of pressure that's getting put on corporations. Now, on the other side of that, I say everybody go out and buy um, stock in, uh, who makes D- cat, you know, the D9, the iconic yellow, uh, you know, pieces of equipment that used to rebuild shit. Go ahead, and go ahead and buy your stock in that now, because obviously that's what always follows these, these uh, military actions. But to squeezy the, the United States, it is already happening with what's happening in Canada, and what's happening south of the border, and then this flooding of the United States. So it isn't just a, um, you know, Colonel Conrad said it's you know it's not a, a direct connect uh, of of bullets flying in both directions. That's kind of the fifth or the sixth thing that happens. But what what happens and and how do you influence people between now and then has a lot to do with the confidence that the american people have in their own government which right now is zero
1: i think that i think that things are going to over the course of the next year and steve this is where you get back into that situation you talk about the law of unintended consequences i think we're going to see our opponents ramping things up getting ready for you know moving towards the election whether we have the election or not whether they you know use use uh war powers act to try and avert that Uh, only time will tell the bottom line is things will ramp up and that's where things are going to go inverted. Um, People, whether they like it or not, are going to get put into desperate positions, desperate situations. And I think at that point, that's where you're going to see people stepping up, doing what they need to do in their community and beyond. And then once it's recognized just how expansive the threat is, I think it's going to be open season. And, uh, and I think, I think that will take some time. I think there will be some, there'll be good people getting hurt, but there'll be a lot of bad people getting eradicated. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a rough road between then and the end point. But I do have faith that that good men will stand, you know, stand in the, stand in the door and uh, do what's necessary. And uh, with that, gentlemen, I'm going to have to sign off here. This ran a little bit longer than I anticipated, but I do appreciate uh, the chance to weigh in. And Thanks for jumping on,
0: Bud. Appreciate good conversation. It. Appreciate
1: it. Yep. Thanks, Carl. Uh, I'll, I'll talk to you later. Have a good Bye evening. Buddy. Thanks. Talk to you soon.
0: Bye-bye. I definitely think there's, uh, you know, there's the the unintended consequences that they haven't hit yet. I think that's that's on the horizon, and I think there's we're going to see that play not just in the public space, we'll see it play in the on the battle space when that actually kicks off. Timing wise, um, boy. The shills are
2: here. Yeah, there's some uh, some Hitler dude in chat. I had to drop chat to join the show, but we need better admins. <laughs> I got him.
0: I got him. I got him. But, um, it's you know, it's you're over target when they start showing up to your show. They, I guess, they see the hit count and they start showing up because they want to get their two cents in. But it's just part of the cake
2: it's like it. that yelling that that what was that one congressman did you see that on the news where they they had this verbal thing use too many guns and that's why people are shooting and the other guy was going well there's you know there's too many people that like to shoot people with the guns and they're going back and forth but it's the same liberal tactic i don't i i don't like what you're saying so i'm just going to keep shouting you down and being disruptive until you just acquiesce
0: oh, um, my, my favorite liberal tactic is i think we basically agree no we don't you're an idiot and we both agree you're an idiot you just can't admit you're an idiot so i'm just going to say you're an idiot and then in you argument move on to somebody who can show up to a battle of the wits well armed because you were completely unarmed that's that's typically how that game's played
2: yeah um, i gave up on that too steve the whole talking to liberals oh well let's think of 10 things that are important we'll find two that intersect we'll work on them now fuck that you're a commie eat a bag of fucking dicks <laughs>
0: So, any questions in the? Uh, I, we've talked a lot, covered a lot of ground. Sorry for that, folks. It's been a it's been a week. It's only it's literally only Monday, and I've already had a, a bunch of things pile up. And normally, I don't do sit reps over the weekend, but I I had conversations to where I did a sit rep on Saturday too. So you can tell there's the things are ramping up. As far as timing goes, uh, it, it looks like it's all starting to intersect. And I want to talk about October 4th because I know, Tripp, you probably got an opinion on this too. There's a lot of messaging right now around October 4th in this emergency broadcast um, test. I think it's just a test. There's people saying they're going to release Marburg. There's going to be this pulse of 5G. Look, until it happens, let me ask you a question. What are you going to do about it? Just be prepared. That's all you can do is Be prepared. How many cycles did people spend on that over the weekend? Many. I don't know. Trip, you got an opinion on this as much as I yeah, do. I have
2: to wonder how many metric tons of dehydrated Bitcoin and basement beans they sold on that fucking paranoia. But the the thing that I see with the emergency broadcast system is establishing a a very reasonable to believe control where you can test a, a broad communication network. Great, it works. But now that you know it works, what else can you use it for? So I don't think there's any nefarious, uh, you know, evil deed or whatever is going to happen when they test this network. But I, I do think that it's a legitimate test and they need to understand what their own communications capabilities are. And then at that point, they could use that same communications network for the whole stay indoors, COVID's bad, you know, whatever type of control that they they want to implement. So it is a legitimate test. and And I think they're testing it just so that they can leverage that tool in the future.
0: God, I'm telling you, man, it was literally all weekend. And you know, then the next conversation and, and my phone blew up over it. We're going to nuclear war. I'm like, okay, if that happens, what are you going to do about it? You're not going to know the bombs are on the way until they're blowing up around you. And then when they blow up around you, you're not going to survive it anyway. So why worry about it? You know, if we if if we all end up leaving the planet because of nuclear war, like so be it. It is what it is. Right. The thing I'm focused on more than anything else is: do, do people have food? Do people have water? Do you have shelter? Do you have alternative comms? Do you have? I mean, all those questions. Right? It's it's the basics. I'm focused on the basics, and people are worried about space-based weapons and chemtrails and things that you can't. We can't do anything about right now. And as as much as I want to, you know, go after the the talking heads that are alternative media propagating this stuff it just shows that people are focused that uh, there's they're still focused on hope that somebody's going to come in and save the day and it's just not real. We have to save ourselves or as you would say self rescue
2: yes self rescue so I've had a lot of questions in chat about water, so can I do my water plug, Steve
0: please, please do your water plug. <laughs>
2: So everybody listening, you should have a minimum of 15 gallons of fresh, ready-to-drink water per person and large pet in your home, stored away from cat food, chemicals, cleaning supplies, or any other strong aromatics. A strong aromatic is anything that would put out an odor that you can smell that you would store next to water that would then contaminate that water. Water does not go bad. Water gets contaminated. So if you have 15 gallons of water for every person in your home, and I'm talking dogs and cats, if you have ponies and pigs, you know, you're going to need more water. But if you have 15 gallons of water, that's going to help you stay out of the conflict space long enough for whatever the situation is to develop and then better assess what your situation is. And then you can advance from there. You could have 55-gallon drums of water. If you're in an apartment, you could figure out how to squirrel more under your bed or wherever. But you should start out with a minimum of 15 gallons of water. And I want to crush this idea that I have a pool in the backyard, I'm fine. Your pool is going to turn into a fucking mosquito factory and kill you and everybody in your neighborhood. Your pool has chloramines and it has algicides and it has uh, chlorination or sanitation, what, what they call uh, byproducts. Uh, disinfection byproducts in it. And these things just rat out your filters and ruin uh, any, any means of purification that you think you might have. So your pool is not good for anything other than flushing your toilets for a few days until it turns green. Cause the power went out and then you need to dump either bleach or motor oil in it. It's a, it's a spent acid at that point. So that's, that's my whole water speech.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. And you know, I, having a pool, I can tell you how much, how much work it is to keep the water you know, somewhat clean to to swim in, and it's not an easy chore. It takes a significant amount of again logistics to do that. So take heed, have some water on hand. I know not everybody has the space, the money, the place, but that's one of the, this is one of those resources where, and you can get five gallon containers. It, the cheapest I've seen them again was Winco, where you get the five gallon jugs for ten bucks. Beautiful thing and i was you know i've got tons of those things now so now's the time to stock up and you want to talk briefly about food because people are people are asking about you know the emergency rations you get through the my patriot supply and some of the others mm-hmm. all that requires water and all of that requires rehydration so you want to Yeah talk definitely
2: yeah. So, so Steve and I talked about putting up like some type of thing, not where we make money, but where we actually point you to stuff that you need and dehydrated food. So first of all, a lot of the Patriot supply stuff is either uh, nitrogen sealed or deoxygenated food, which means that it, it, it won't go bad. It won't go rancid or it's freeze dried. And there's a difference between freeze dried food and dehydrated food. Freeze dried foods, much more expensive to produce and it um it's it's very light and it takes up a lot of room but i i don't want to i don't want to tell anybody who's already bought that stuff not you know that you should feel bad about it but what i am going to tell you is how much dehydrated butter and and mountain house uh dehydrated chili mac do you think that you and your family are going to be able to stomach before you just basically want to die so any canned goods that you have, canned goods generally have a shelf life you know, between two and five years. You can eat canned goods long after that. I just did a video where I took some dehydrated beef powder and made some ramen. It expired in uh, uh, March of 2022 or whatever. The um, canned goods will last quite a long time. So you should be stocking up not necessarily on dead food, which is anything in a can or a box, but things that are in cans and jars seem to last a lot longer, taste a lot better and have a lot more nutrition than things in boxes and bags. You should also have beans and rice and my home. I have like my coba beans and uh, kidney beans and Lima beans and, you know, 10 different kinds of beans, Uh, beans are protein because you're not going to have beef or chicken uh canned chicken canned tuna stuff like that just slowly acquire it every time you go to the store if you're on a tight budget just add one or two things that you normally eat and look at the dates look at the expiration dates because the product facing in all stores is that they'll take uh the stuff that's been on the shelf for three months will be the stuff that's on the edge of the shelf that you grab and put in your cart the stuff they just got from the factory is going to be on the back of that shelf and you'll notice sometimes even up to a year difference in expiration date so just do your normal shopping and look at expiration dates dig in the back of the shelf get the most recent stuff start just incrementally adding mainly things in jars and cans i'm not going to tell you what you should get your diet or preferences but avoid things in boxes and bags uh, that are generally you know dead food and then get supplements and i i don't want to endorse any supplement but any supplement you get you know multivitamin vitamin c d zinc Uh, these types of things, just do your own research. You're going to want to augment that type of diet with vitamin supplements. And, you know, whether you can do a garden or not, or have pigs and chickens and fat women, you know, just do whatever you can do, but stock up on your canned goods, stock up on any jarred, Uh, generally things in jars are are meat and fruits and things like that. And mainly your water. And remember when there's a, a post disaster, I say five weeks, people say how, how long, five weeks of food and water is going to get you to the point where you're going to know whether or not, whatever the situation is, is going to get better or it just isn't. And you need to consider evacuating at that point. Um, Five years of food, two years of food, living in a hole. Don't, don't think that way. You need to live your life on. Remember God created this green earth, but Satan's a fucking landlord. We need to figure out how to navigate around his shit. And he doesn't usually do things longer than four or five weeks that are bad because then humanity starts to question their own existence, right? He doesn't want to do anything. that's going to draw you closer to the Lord. So plan for five weeks and then reassess and five weeks of food that is common off the shelf, canned goods and jars and things like that. It's going to last plenty a long time. And if you're hungry and you're running low on food, I guarantee you that that old can of garbanzo beans in the back of your pantry is going to start looking pretty good with a pinch of salt. So, so don't overthink that, but focus on water.
0: Yeah, I agree. Thanks, Drew. And Buzz, to answer your question, Buzz asked, uh, how do we get ahead of the enemy's OODA loop? And for those of you who don't know what an OODA loop is, it's called, uh, uh, Colonel John Boyd was the one that came up with his F-86 pilot in Korea, came up with what's called the OODA loop, and it was trained pretty widely across the Marines for years. It's uh, observe, orient, decide, act. Basically, you observe the enemy action, you orient yourself to what they're doing, you decide what you're going to do, and then you act, basically a fighter pilot move. Um, the way we interdict the enemy's uh, OODA loop is, number one, be situationally aware of your surroundings. Know who's around you, know what they're doing, know what, know what language they're speaking, know what they're what actions they're taking. Just be vigilant in your area, that's the first thing. The second thing is, make sure you have people around you that are paying attention as well and then put the pieces together. Sometimes disrupting an operation is nothing more than being situationally aware and putting yourself in a position that notifies them very, very subtly that you're aware of what's going on. And you may not have the whole picture, but you can dissuade a lot of violence just by just by subtly showing people that you know what the hell is going on or they're preparing for something. In most cases for hardened, hardened military, it's not going to do anything, but sometimes disrupting uh, yeah, there's another one. Sorry, disrupting their, their operations is just being situation aware and getting people organized. That's that's the first part. The second part is know who's in your area. Know who's supposed to be there. Know who's not supposed to be there. Now's the time to go meet your neighbors. Be vigilant at the store. Be vigilant at public, pub, public space. Man, I can't speak tonight. In public spaces. It's literally common sense. And the other part of it, too, is I get asked, you know, should I be armed everywhere I go? Well, you can't be armed everywhere you go because there are certain areas that are, it's illegal to carry firearms and every state's different. So I can't say definitively yes, but I can tell you that the, the enemy's counting on us to be unaware, unattentive, and not checked into reality. They want us to be plugged into our phone. So step away from the tech. Check into your environment and pay attention to what's around you. That's the simplest piece of that. Tripp, you guys think like you want to add to that?
2: Yeah, I'd like to add on to the, uh, I always call it the OODA loop, but it's a OODA loop. So um, I think I used to eat OODA loops when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> So I, uh, I I've developed a leadership model. Steve and I were talking about it. Anything that happens in your life, it happens because there's some type of influencing entity. And the influencing entity could be a person or a non-person thing. I have videos of this on my channel, but a fire in your house is an influencing entity. You could stay there and die or you could run outside. Uh, an influencing entity is a, a government official or a bad boss or a, a relationship you don't want to be in or you know what to have for dinner and then you as an active participant and whatever that influence is you have a choice and you can either support whatever the agenda is of that influencing entity so i like what colonel murray has to say so i'm going to support him or i don't like what colonel murray has to say so i'm going to counter everything he says so either way you have an influencing entity, and then you have you as an active participant, you're going to be able to influence their intended outcome. So if the intended outcome of a fire is to burn your kitchen down, and you as an active participant go and run a, get a fire extinguisher and put the fire out, you are influencing the intended outcome of that fire. This applies to literally everything in your life. So when you're looking at superior forces or you're looking at dangerous or dynamic situations and you don't have all the information available, you're literally in a survival mode at that point. So you have to decide what are these influencing entities that, are, that I'm being presented with? Which one of these influencing entities do I want to prioritize or respond to? Which ones do I want to ignore? And do I want to either enhance the, uh, the intended outcome of that influencing entity, or do I want to depreciate it or or negate it? Remember, you don't you don't get to just choose what you do. You have an idea of what you want to do, and then somewhere between the decision and the intent that you have and what actually happens, there's a whole bunch of external influences. So I don't I didn't get the the question from the chat. Because uh, I had to log out of the chat to get on the call. But as far as disrupting other people's uh, OODA loops go, remember that when they're observing and they're orienting and they're deciding, you're an active participant in how many information inputs they have and what the value or the cost justification is for any decisions that they're about to make. So just uh, we'll have more on that later if, if you guys want to expound upon that. But remember, you're an active participant regardless of what situation you're in, regardless of how much power you think you have or you don't have. You're more powerful than you think you are. And you can influence a lot of things just by your mere presence. So what Colonel Murray said about show up, go to the store, walk the street, travel in groups, be confident, walk upright and erect, and and remember that you're an American. And this is the greatest gift on Earth, so you don't want to squander it. Sometimes that means that you got to go balls out.
0: And one more thing. So, uh, so Buzz, to answer your question about, you know, do we take the fight to the elite? We're past the culmination point of doing that. The time to do that was two years ago, three years ago, before 2020. Now this is reaction mode. And as I would love to sit here and say we take out Bill Gates and all of the, the mosquito crap and all the other things. Stop. They don't. Remember, we're fighting a machine. These people have deep institutional money. They can literally set things in motion that will go years after their deaths which is what we're seeing right now this is not a a phenomenon of as long as this guy's alive then he's going to be able to influence until we kill him it doesn't work that way gates has has literally hundreds of different organizations that he's supported injected money into and just like the rockefellers all these different trusts organizations shell companies you don't think that they put all this in place because they think they're, they're going to make it through this? They've already anticipated they're going to get smoked at some point, and they've put plans in place so these things carry forward. Look at George Soros. How many different organizations and NGOs does the guy support? He doesn't even have to be present. So th- while I'd love to go after and take the head of the snake out, it's not going to do anything right now. What we need to, What we need to do is prepare for what's coming. And stop thinking about how do we take these guys out. Prepare your community. Be prepared. Be situationally aware. Put down the fucking phone. That's how you get prepared. Sorry.
2: So, Steve, um, when we think about doing good in the world, raising our children, teaching them right from wrong, and and having grandkids, which all of you know I don't have. Um, That is the one, the pathological truth about these, these ugly arcs is they don't, they, they, no matter how much money they have, they want more because the money isn't a measure of wealth to them. It's a measure of their score in the game. And for a lot, we get a lot of pushback. I'm on some political channels. I'm a political operative and, and you we should just take out this politician or that. Well, you would first of all, never want to, uh, attack a politician because that makes us weak And anytime you see countries that The people are just done and they start killing Politicians, that country's done Within months um, But the, uh, the, uh, the The people that fund the politicians The people, because remember We're in charge of the politicians, they're not in charge Of us, the way the game's supposed to be played Is there are representatives, we elect the representatives To represent our wishes. and unfortunately What happens is they get influenced By money and then they end up representing Those people who give them the money. So if you've ever seen the, uh, the Godfather where they have the marionette and the strings and the hand above it, we need to be figuring out how to cut off that fucking hand, not the little marionette underneath because politicians are a dime a dozen. They're all expendable and they're all shitbags. Every single one of them is a self-promoting narcissist and they're completely fucking useless. So wasting any time on them at all is like trying to squish ants in your kitchen. You need to go after the queen. The, the ants themselves are insignificant. So as we drive up the chain and exactly you know what Steve said, they have hundreds of organizations and all these organizations are being backfed by dark money. So we need to be focusing on where that dark money's coming from If this situation ever goes kinetic, we need to be figuring out where the, where the wellhead is not where the where the oils flowing.
0: Absolutely I want to know who the belly button is behind all this and then that's the person you go after And to answer your, your question speckled egg, no one has come up with any data on these FEMA camps. I still am. The challenge is still there, folks. I want to see pictures. I want to see a map location of where these FEMA camps are. And before I'm going to say they're definitively real, we've been, I've been hearing about them and, you know, I've heard these FEMA camps are here in Arizona, but I tell you, I, I made a drive out past uh, Wickenburg where one I'm supposed to be and there's nothing out there. So it's the, the challenge is still there. I want, I want to see them. All right. Any other questions, Buzz? I hope I answered your question. I appreciate the questions. Troop, any final comments for the group before we call it a night? Have
2: faith in God and your training. If you don't have any training, get trained and have faith in God. But thank you, Steve, for having me on the show again. I really I learned a lot from you and Colonel Conrad and your other guests. And I appreciate the time.
0: I should have brought you on sooner, bro. I'm sorry about that. I'll put we'll you might as well just be a um, uh, rented lips. You should just be a normal fixture on the show once a week, so people can ask you questions. Because there's tons of questions about water every week, and I think this is a perfect venue for that. But uh, other than that, don't be scared. That's uh, that's the first thing. Be situationally aware. Don't be scared. You got nothing to be scared of. Look, we're all gonna die at some point. we're, we're all we're all gonna leave this earth. So don't get wrapped up in the fear around that. Get wrapped up in, in what can you can leave for your family and for your kids. What can you leave? We need to leave this place better than what, the way we got it. And most importantly, we need to start working together at the community level. Figure out who's who's around you, who needs to be there, who doesn't need to be there. Be situationally aware and keep your head on a swivel now because as The next few weeks develop, you're going to see more and more and more and more craziness come out of this. Don't get wrapped up in that noise. Pay attention to the stuff that you have direct control over, your life, your family, those things. That's what matters. God bless everyone. One team, one fight. Good night, everyone.